We're probably live right now. Yeah, we, yep, we are live. <laughs> Every oh, fucking time. Every time. I, I'm cool with it, though. I like it. That's yeah, a good way to start. We, we just talked about this, like, the last three pods. Yeah. The soft launch, just have it already be yeah. rolling. Cam just wants to get B-roll for Roger Berg. <laughs> <laughs> Episode 14, The Associates. We're back in Miami. This one's a little rushed well, here. I guess the last one we filmed was in Miami, too. That's okay. But yeah, forget well, that. Did we filmed yeah, we filmed Iman after the trip. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> We're still back in Miami in case um, we have our say good friend, Mr. I would think so. Mr. Yeah. Drew Tang. Oh, I I was thinking of ways to describe you. I think it's a good good place to start. Good friend Mr. Drew Tang on and and I kinda wanna understand how you describe yourself. And in, in two sentences, like how do you describe yourself and your internet persona and what you do? Damn, that's a really good question. Um, you might want to bring mic close. Oh yeah, shit. Or can you can you pick it up? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would just okay. pick it up. Pick it up. Oh okay. Oh yeah, nice, yeah, nice. Okay, perfect. Yeah, so um, I'd say best way to describe myself probably cult leader. Um, <laughs> I think uh, yeah, and you know, cult is like a, it's kind of a loaded word, but um, you know, all, anything that has a culture is a cult so there's mainstream mainstream culture is a cult you know it's just led by kim kardashian and fucking you know the satanists in hollywood so um so yeah no i i think that's the um to go into that a little deeper i think most of the time so i've been on i've been basically running the um uh been full-time like twitter influencing and um and really I guess at the end of the day, I'm, I'm mostly um, an author. Writing is basically how I generate my um, my income and living. It's the primarily the uh, medium that I uh, talk to the world through. Um, although getting into video and stuff like that is obviously um, gotcha. it's uh, something I'm looking into more, which is um, part of the reason I'm excited to be here. What are you a cult leader of? So, uh, so yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, once again, but it's, so I just started this, uh, I'm sure you guys have, uh, have you ever heard of uh, a DAO, a decentralized autonomous mm-hmm. organization? So I just started, um, uh, apocalypse DAO and essentially it's, um, the point of this organization, the like goal of the DAO. So, you know, each DAO has like some purpose that they're trying to accomplish, whether it be. Um, uh, you know, the, they'll pick out some purpose, and then the uh, point of the DAO is that those that group of people works towards completing the goal together, um, using blockchain and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But um, with Apocalypse DAO, we have um, I've been working on this uh, documentary for the last year or so with another uh, Twitter um, conspiracy theorist. Uh, I'd say would would be the accurate way to describe the niche. Uh, Nick Hinton. Um, so I think we were actually, I think we've, we hung out when he was here. Um, but, uh, but anyway, so we've been working on a documentary and the, the purpose of the DAO is to basically not only um, eventually, uh, well, not only to produce the documentary in the best way possible, but then also to do um, kind of guerrilla social media networking or uh, yeah, network promotion, stuff like that. Um, which is kind of similar to the way that, uh, you know, I'm sure you guys are familiar with the way that Tate uh, recently got yep. his stuff promoted, you know, the flipping and the, 
and having the kind of army behind that. But, um, but yeah, so there's that. Um, and yeah, I guess to, to get to the message that's actually like going to be portrayed in this documentary is, uh, basically all the, all the research that I've, uh, uh, been doing for the last few years has um, basically I think what I'm most known for on um, Twitter and, and the internet in general is being able to see trends coming before they happen. For instance, one of my one of my biggest tweets was calling out in October of 2019 before um, coronavirus even existed. Um, I called out that there was um, there was uh, uh, max, a hundred percent vaccination. I don't know. Are you guys going to get a, a, is there any words no, I shouldn't say on here? We're no, we're we can always cut okay. things out. You're good. Okay. Dope, dope, dope. I remember this tweet by the way. Oh yeah. I remember it vividly. Yeah. Yeah. I think the tweet was imagine a world with a hundred percent vaccination required for global travel, schooling and education or, you know, something else in there, but I think it was commerce maybe. Yeah. Something like that. And, um, or employment, but anyways, so um, that was the tweet and, um, and yeah, so it was a, it was a month before they even ran event 201, which is like the simulation for Corona. Are you guys familiar with event yep. 201? So that's the Gates foundation funded global coronavirus pandemic simulation that they ran in, um, October of, uh, 2019. But, but anyway, so that was one of the tweets. So that type of thing, um, that type of prediction uh before things happen is kind of I, I would say the most important part of my brand and and it's kind of the the message that we're um looking to portray in the documentary through it through apocalypse now is uh it's on that same vein so it's basically what i think is coming next as far as the global narrative got you so so i look at this pod with you and it's really interesting to me because we did it was like episode six or seven where nick just nick and i just sat down and basically like started talking about some of our more uh functioning schizophrenic viewpoints who runs right? the world and, and how the, things work actually like that how, type of stuff like what things behind the scenes are pulling strings and we actually mentioned you in that pod like of you know i i understand these things and i've like read it but i haven't researched it mm -hmm. right and whenever i think of you i always think of someone that like like you know this stuff you've read it you could you have like very tangible facts and places and events that you can reference and that's always mm -hmm. how i kind of like if someone would ask me who is drew tang i'd be like oh he knows everything about the cabal like just <laughs> everything um and so that's kind of how i look at this episode it's like a follow-up to that except now we have drew tang here who actually has the facts <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's definitely something uh, like in the conspiracy sphere, like um, I think that's one of the things that I really uh, specialize in is like a lot of people like, you know, they'll make a conspiracy threat about something and it'll be something like fucking something about aliens and Venus and like all this like <laughs> shit that's like not backed up whatsoever. And it's like all hearsay and their their references are like another conspiracy theorist YouTuber that just made a video and they're just referencing the video. But um, I think what I specialize is, is uh, bringing the receipts and like where there's some intuitive things, like everybody knows, like deep down, you look at Bill Gates and you're like, this is an evil fucking nerd who talks about <laughs> wanting to depopulate the earth by yeah. any means necessary. And you're like, okay, this guy is not 
good. But like you can't, it's hard to put your finger on exactly why. Mm -hmm. And you know, the people who have fallen for his, you know, multi-billion dollar, you know, philanthropist branding, um, they're not going to be convinced by, you know, the intuitive where some people can, you know, have common sense and know that a, a, the richest man in the, or previously the richest man in the world probably has some alter, or, uh, alternative motives that might not be good. Um, you know, I specialize in bringing the receipts. So, and, uh, so let's, I think you uh, can look at Bill Gates' physique and discredit his philanthropy. <laughs> I don't want him spreading his ideas. Yeah, the man tits Fuck really, really rough on him. So I have a question on that topic, and then I want to talk more about receipts, about different events. I just kind of want to, like, maybe name a couple events and just okay. see, see what comes off the top of your head. Sweet. Because um, I think it'll be very different than most. But on, on the Gates thing, and I, I like to ask people this, do you think – that it's on accident it's just kind of like whatever it's just like based on it, things that are happening that are bad mm-hmm. throughout the world are happening because of incompetence or are things planned to a t so that's i mean at the end of the day i think that's really the core question in all of the conspiracy realm is you know is there and that's you know uh, what is it occam's razor is what people always refer to like the most like um, the most logical explanation is usually it, and there's you know you you shouldn't um, um, you can you shouldn't assume malice in what could just be like stupidity or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think like what we've already talked about in this podcast, for instance, the event two hundred one. When you watch the event two hundred one, I know you guys know about it, but if you watch the actual, they have they filmed the whole thing. They filmed this whole simulation, mm-hmm. and when you watch it, you can see them go through each stage of this, of, of the process that played out over the next two years after they posted that, because basically they did the simulation, then coronavirus came around in November in China, first case was in January in the US, and then lockdowns were in March. And it basically goes through everything, lockdowns, and um, even it goes through censorship, how they're having to, how they plan to combat people with alternative uh, narratives to what they were going to put forward so there is there's definitely um there's definitely a planned aspect with that like that's just you know it's pretty undeniable you can say well they were just preparing for a potential one but um but then when you look into for instance how as time goes on um you remember originally when you said the wuhan uh the wuhan lab saying that coronavirus originated there was a bannable offense on Facebook and YouTube. Mm-hmm. Now, only two years later, they're finally having to admit that, yeah, this is looking like, uh, if not as likely as a natural occurrence, more likely. And that's like, even Dr. Fauci admits that now. Um, you can kind of see, well, if they, and that research was funded by the NIH, which was, which is the organization that uh, Dr. Fauci is, a, is the leader of. And not only that, the mRNA technology for the vaccines was also people, you know, it's, you know, Moderna or Pfizer is what people think came up with it. But in reality, um, the NIH actually, that was all government technology. They had been funding all the research and the NIH actually sued Moderna for that technology um, to try and get even more like kickbacks for it. So that's one aspect as far as planning it. But there's also, um, there is a chaos aspect 
which is, we'll be going into this, I'm sure, uh, later. Um, um, there are these, for instance, with predictive programming, which I'm sure is going to come up soon, mm -hmm. which is kind of like Event 201, but uh, um, specifically more like in movies. So, for instance, the movie Contagion, which came out in, I believe it was 2011. Um, have you guys seen that movie? Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you watch that movie, again, they have everything. <clears throat> they have lockdowns. They have masks. They even have vaccine passports to like, get into malls and whatnot. And in that movie, they also have conspiracy theorists saying it was made in a lab and it was a bioweapon as opposed to a natural occurrence. Of course, in the movie, it was a natural occurrence. So there, and uh, recently, what makes it really um, obvious is that there was a FOIA request, a freedom of information request to the government where they wanted to see how much involvement the CDC had with making this movie. And it turns out the CDC was not only that. given millions of dollars, but was telling them the script that they wanted to put in. And then once that movie came out, they used it in Congress. They used the, um, the impact culturally that that movie had. They used that as a excuse in Congress to give the CDC the amount of funding needed for them to take over the government basically during the pandemic. So would you say it's, so <laughs> there's a lot. Um, <laughs> would, you, would you say it's, entirely planned or would you say it's a mix so i would say there there is a mix because um to get into the predictive programming part the for instance there's this uh i talk about for anybody who follows me on twitter you know i'll talk about predictive programming in marvel comics and how that kind of relates to conditioning the public to accept not only the characters, but the events of what's happening in like mainstream media and history and the narrative they want you to subscribe to. Um, there was this, uh, there's this comic book author named Alan Moore, and he, uh, he, he makes comics. He, he wrote V for Vendetta. Have you guys seen that mm -hmm. movie? That's yes. another one that's like basically spot on predictive programming. It was set, um, um, set around 2020. Um, and in the movie, you find out that this pandemic that they have in the movie, one of, one of the main plot points, was actually a government-created bioweapon that they used to gain more authoritarian control. But Alan Moore wrote the comic that that movie's based off of, and he himself, he um, outwardly says, I'm a chaos magician. He says, I'm doing my art influences, because art influences the mass consciousness through pop culture, you can, um, by putting that art out there, you can influence the way that events play out. Okay. Um, and he like outwardly says it. So there's an aspect to it. It's like simultaneously both. It's like him putting out V for Vendetta didn't necessarily, you know, put it wasn't, it wasn't planned. Action. It wasn't planned in unison with the government. Probably there's, you know, there's some aspects. It's, a, it's really kind of impossible to tell how much like coordination there was, but the fact that he put that stuff out did influence like how people reacted to it at the very least. So it's hard to tell, but there is a, there is a connection. So it's almost, there's a phrase, um, which some people, this is like, um, it's pretty like well known in conspiracy theories, this, um, this phrase order out of chaos which yep. is like ordo seclorum some shit um and it's, and it's used, like the the serpents right it's or, uh Oro, ouroboros oh. oh oh yeah is that different yeah ouroboros is um that's that's a snake eating itself 
they may they may use that phrase like in a, in a symbol with that. I'm not sure. I haven't seen that, okay. but it's definitely they usually have a two-headed eagle um, facing each way, and they put that underneath. But so order out of chaos. You create a situation. You create chaos, and then when people are afraid, then you can you influence provide it, the solution. A solution. Yeah, and it's also referred to as the Hegelian dialectic. But so I have I have like a couple events off the top of my head and Logan jump in with me okay. so I, I want to ask him like so we talked about like this planning and shit like that and so there is an, an orchestrated level of planning that goes into these you know mass consciousness government intervention you know sort of nefarious plots mm -hmm. so who's planning them who, who okay that's a good who, question who, before the, we, yeah, who, yeah, yeah. who is the like you we mentioned the NIH mm -hmm. right and, but this is something that I know it just obviously but who controls the NIH yeah like I've read a lot mm -hmm. of your content so I kind of know but I would love to kind of discuss it in more in depth and, and in my opinion I think Logan's opinion too I think based on what we discussed in episode 6 or 7 whatever it was mm -hmm. it's not anybody that's like public facing like, mm -hmm. it's not Fauci it's not Trump like there's somebody you know it's not Biden obviously mm -hmm. <laughs> like there, yeah, there, yeah. There's, there's other people or there's something there no, Biden's is. controlled by the ice cream companies. <laughs> <laughs> Big ice no, cream there's and, and there's something there, right? So like, who yeah. is it? What is it? So yeah, that's another that's another great question. You guys are really hitting like all the like top conspiracy questions that like <laughs> anytime you bring up like a conspiracy theory to someone, those are always the objections. Like, oh, it's just random, and oh, who is they? Is I a think common question. I, yeah, I think it's like. We kind of know, but I want to know what you think and how yeah, you yeah. would describe it to somebody mm -hmm. that comes up to you on the street. I want and the says, associates of the associates to hear the long form, real answer. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So. So yeah. No. Fantastic question. Um, so, to get to like who they are, there's this um, basically throughout all of recorded history. So I'm talking go back to ancient Egypt. Yeah. There was. Um, there was always a higher, what made you higher class, what really gave you power was knowledge. And it's kind of the same way today. Higher education will lead you to, you know, having a better life for, for you know, in some aspects. But back then, it was only the ruling class that was getting educated. Yeah. So it was only the most powerful people that were getting this esoteric knowledge. This and education looked much different. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, for sure. And it was always, um, it was more of a apprenticeship basis. So you could think of, this will, we'll, might get into this further about how much predictive programming there is in Star Wars, but it was kind of a, a similar setup to, you know, there was a, an apprentice master type thing. Um, Never seen Star Wars. But, oh, oh nice. Well, uh, <laughs> you, you missed a lot of their programming, so that's, that's, that could be good for I, you. I also have seen like one of them personally. I'm, I'm, He's the, leaving the tape thing. He's <laughs> leaving the tape thing. Oh, uh, yeah. Keep your movies. <laughs> what color is your Bugatti? Um, yeah, so, so anyways, that, that's basically the power structure. It's always been not only the richest, but how they stay rich is their, not only the, the knowledge, but the network. So there's always been, you know, there's always been uh, compartmentalization in the power structure of all these civilizations. Um, so is it the same families, same bloodlines? There, is that where you're there getting is, at? There is, yeah, 
there is um, that is a huge part of it. Um, they're uh, they're obsessed with eugenics. They're obsessed with who are their, these who are these own, families? Their own bloodlines. So there's there's a book called um, called Bloodlines of the Illuminati, and it's on the CIA website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I've read through some of that. Okay, that's crazy. That's on the CIA website to me. Anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, they have like any any uh, really all the good shit they have on there, um, which is hilarious. And just like as far as conspiracy theory, it's always so funny when when people like act like so many things are just so out of like, um, for instance, Operation Northwoods, which is a declassified operation um, where the CIA wanted to do a, actually a terrorist attack in Miami um, to to get the U.S. Um, to invade Cuba. They wanted to do a false flag, um, plant expos- explosives, possibly kill people in Miami to get the U.S. to go to war with Cuba. Um, so anyways, I'm just saying the declassified stuff is like, is where you, um, it's like just undeniable fact. Yeah, it's like blatant. Mm-hmm. So I guess to, to go back to the main question though, as far as who they are, um, it's, these, um, it's these upper echelons of these educational circles. So they have this, this esoteric knowledge. So which actually most of it goes back to Egypt itself. Like there's really been no, for instance, the Freemasons, which is what, you know, everybody thinks of. Yep. They think of themselves, they think of their first Mason, Mason the first Freemason was Hiram Abiff, who built Solomon's temple, um, which is the first like great temple of Judaism. Um, and even before that, they say he was like a reincarnation of Osiris, which is a which is an Egyptian god, but basically the, the Freemasonry, that group to go into like how it's like um, compartmentalized based on knowledge is Freemasonry started off as a stonemasons guild. So it was the people who could build buildings, the cathedrals. Mm-hmm. So that power, like that knowledge of mathematics to actually build something is what gave them the power to... Um, to basically control civilization because the the cathedrals themselves was almost it was so integral into maintaining the dominance of religion because if you bring in peasants from the countryside and they see this crazy cathedral which it's almost unbelievable that they could build that at that time in the, in the dark ages and why it was called the dark ages because there is no science outside of those very limited groups that still had access to the information of the old world of Rome, Greece, um, and Egypt. So to, to go to, just to give you a really good example of one group specifically, which is hugely behind, for instance, the pandemic, um, is, the, is the Jesuits. So the Jesuits themselves, they were founded by a guy who, um, who was converted from Judaism by force, basically, during the Inquisition. So he was a Jew. The, I, I believe it was, um, I'm not sure which country he was in, to be honest. But he, basically, they, you could either leave the country, you, get, you leave Europe or under the Holy Roman Empire, or you get converted, or you know, there was a lot of torturing and stuff like that as well. But anyways, um, this, this sect of Catholicism, the Jesuits, they... Uh, they basically, they're kind of a, their own secret society within the Roman Catholic Church. And before, 
um, they were always barred from seeking the papacy, from becoming pope, up until our current pope right now, which is uh, Francis, he was the first ever Jesuit pope. Okay. So that should, that should like, you know, raise some alarms to you. And then also uh, Benedict, who stepped down right before him, that was the first pope to step down before death in several centuries. So it was highly unprecedented what, what happened. Um, so that's one example. So we have him controlling, you know, the largest it, religion. Then we have Fauci was trained in a Jesuit school. And let me ask, and you, Trump does was that also look like a transition Jesuit. of power or something? In, in like to you, right? Mm -hmm. Someone that's researched everything. Does that look like a transition of power to a degree? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely you know. When it, when was that pope, or when was I, our current pope brought in? I think it was. I want to say, two thousand twelve, thirteen to like fourteen, maybe. Okay. I'm not entirely sure. That feels about right when the timeline started shifting. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. From no, like normal world to like clown world. I don't mm -hmm. know. It was about that time. Yeah, 16 was, yeah, definitely. So I mean, um, 16 for sure, but. That's, and that's a really, um, that's a really interesting thing to bring up as well, which, because um, 2016 was actually uh, important with the Georgia Guidestones, which just blew up. Um, recently, but there was, um, there was a notch cut out. If you looked at the, the main Georgia Guidestone, um, that's written in English because it was written in like eight different languages, all the different stones. The one that was written in English in the upper right-hand corner, there was a notch cut out of it, like a cube, cube shape, and it was knocked out. And then um, I believe it was 9-11-2011, I want to say, or 2009, there was, it was knocked out. It was empty for a few days. So people noticed that and was like, who did that? Then there was a new cube inserted. And on the cube, it had this date. Um, I want to say it was like 8-14-16. And then an M on the other side. But um, it, uh, if you read it backwards, so it was like, if you turned it like clockwise, it would read, it was like 14 8 um, I forget exactly what, but anyways, it, it, it referenced the date, um, in 2016 as a, um, which is basically a symbol of, of like a turning, a turning point, which is kind of like are, what the guide zones were. Are you familiar? And I know we might give we kind of got off track from the mm -hmm. answer of like, <laughs> who is they? Yeah. Do you want to answer that real quick before yeah. I ask this question? Okay. Yeah, let's, Cause let's my question that. is based on 2016 and like timelines and stuff. Okay. So, so just to get back to the who is they thing. Yeah, let's sum it up. So the, to, to give you a really good modern example is that um, uh, Trump was trained in a, was, uh, went to a Jesuit high school. Uh, Fauci always talks about his Jesuit training. And then we have our first Jesuit pope. So three of the most powerful men during the pandemic, the man running the biggest religion, the man running the most powerful superpower and the man running the specifically the organization that not only funded the development of the virus, but also the the you know, we talked about problem and solution, but also funded the um, mRNA technology mm -hmm. that was given as the solution. So that's so given that gives you an idea of of who exactly like one example of like one of those groups that. Um, coordinate into ruling the world. And just one other thing I want to say is Adam Weishaupt, the founder of the Barbarian Illuminati, 
which is what everyone talks about when you say Illuminati. Yep. What people are referring to is the Barbarian Illuminati. Um, and they were founded in 1776, same year as the U.S. was founded. But Adam Weishaupt, the guy who founded that, was also a Jesuit. So that, like, what they, the plan that they executed is an example of so what the Barbarian Illuminati it's was, Jesuits, was looking to do. It's Jesuits, but it's like the ones who... It's like the ones behind the scenes mm -hmm. that so, kind of run things and kind of pull strings is what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And so to go to, to give you another example of how these, these groups are like, so it, it's not all one group. It's a, it's a bunch of groups working together. Who he founded the Barbarian Illuminati with was the Rothschild Central Bankers, which any conspiracy theorist guy would, you know that name well. They basically set up all the central banking system in Europe. The patriarch had five sons and spread them out among the different European countries, and then they worked together to basically take over the banking system. And then, um, yep. then there was a, a third guy, Jacob Frank, who ran this cult called um, Sabbatean Frankism, which is basically Saturn worshipers, and they basically do exactly the opposite of everything um, as far as morality in the Old Testament. They do the exact opposite. Is basically the they're all about inversion, but those are those three founded the Barbarian Illuminati. So I think that's probably the best example of Got the question. And there. they're connected to the bloodlines that are kind of yeah behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How so? Um, so, for instance, if you want to go uh, Trump specifically, so every U.S. president um, is has been related to each other, including Obama. They've all, I, yeah, they crazy. can all, yeah, it was like some like girl, some like middle school girl in like 2010 that did a school project to like trace back all the, the, the lineage. But so that's one example. Um, it really, uh, a go, lot of it goes back to, to, um, go to the CIA website and read the 13 bloodlines of the Illuminati and you'll understand. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. I want to talk about 2016 because there, there's a conspiracy theory where there's like a timeline shift or the like timelines converge and there's like a lot of people experience like a, the Mandela effect or whatever. And are you familiar with like what the looking glass conspiracy is? Uh, is it or is it really like referring to Project Looking Glass? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and it had to do with that. Briefly. I want to know if you knew anything about that because you mentioned 2016 as like a turning point. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people mentioned 2016 as where like different timelines converge or whatever in different realities. And it kind of puts us on this one that we're currently on, which is like one of chaos and, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So... So I'm kind of familiar with the concept of, of Project uh, Looking Glass. Um, it's, it's basically, to, to my understanding, it's essentially using, um, it, this is one of the projects which like, it's not something necessarily that I would bring up as like hard evidence just because it's more on the hearsay um, spectrum as opposed to things that are like declassified actual CIA documents that can be backed up really easily. Um, but to my knowledge is basically you have, um, it was basically like a CIA experiment where you have one guy sit in this chair, I think they said it was like alien technology, and then he can see possible timelines. And then they would try to, to con in order to control the future, they would try to adjust 
um, you know, what they're doing to, um, to control it. Like I said, I, I had looked into it a, a little bit and wasn't able to find like hard evidence. I think it's more, I think that's one of the ones where it's like more like whistleblowers, which is hard to, hard to trust because you know, if you're, if you're the CIA and you want people to think a certain thing, then you could, you know, you know, you could double fake them out and like have a whistleblower or whatever. But it is, it is compelling. And I think 2016, just to go into, um, back to that, uh, the Georgia Guidestones thing I was talking mm -hmm. about in the Georgia Guidestones, like on the plaque, which is basically the only public information they really gave to describe what was going on with it. They mention, um, uh, they mention things being played. They mention, uh, what, do, what do they call it? Um, a time capsule or whatever being placed there. And people are always like, Oh, it, it was, um, and it says like buried here, blah, blah, blah. But they never, they dug that up and there was no, there was no time capsule. So what I, um, what I interpret that as, and there was also some other documents. Um, there was an investigation documentary in 2015 called Dark Skies Over Elberton. Elberton, Georgia is basically where the Guidestones were um, built. The Freemasons of Elberton, Georgia um, built it. But um, there were some documents at uh, Goggins Industries, which was the corporation that was um, contracted to build the Guidestones. And in those documents, it mentions um, that there's supposed to be markers placed there. There's supposed to be things placed on the Guidestones at certain times that they gave like the times in the documents telling people when to do it. So that cube I was talking about, and you can look this up and see pictures of the cube. It's actually, it's in one of my threads. Um, that date on there um, in 2016, uh, I believe is August 14, 2016. Um, that date is actually, um, it's this holiday. Um, it's not technically a holiday. It's more of a day of like solemn commemoration in the same way that 9-11 isn't a holiday in the US. It's a day that we commemorate the falling of the two towers. Mm -hmm. That date, um, August 14th, 2016, is the day in the Jewish calendar that's known as the 9th of Av, which is the ninth day of the 11th month in the Jewish calendar. So in the same way that 9-11 is the 11th day of our ninth month, it, the 9th of Av is the ninth day of their 11th month. So it's like the inverse. You know, I was talking about mm -hmm. the Sabbatean Frankist, so, and how they invert everything. So that date is actually, it changes in the Western calendar. So, you know, I said August 14, 2016. The ninth of Av is not always on August 14th, 2016, if we were to describe it in our Western calendar. Okay. So what's really interesting about that date, the reason that's a solemn day of commemoration in, in Judaism is that it's the day to commemorate the falling of their two temples. Do you remember how I mentioned that the first Mason built Solomon's temple, which was the first temple? Um, they built another one during the Roman era and the Romans, it was actually destroyed in the Roman Jewish civil war. Um, that day, the ninth of Av, is the day that they commemorate the falling of these two, two temples. So they commemorate the falling of two okay. temples on the 11th of their ninth or ninth of their 11th month. We follow the falling of the two towers on the 11th of our ninth month. So it's the direct inverse. And so that date being pointed out 
in the guide zones, if I, and this is something that like, I don't think I've actually seen anybody else like bring up this because it was like such a weird, nobody could really, the only per people who like followed this was like some weirdo that lived in Alberton, Georgia, and he saw the, he saw the cube get put up and then they smashed it right after, but he really couldn't figure out what the fuck was going on. So this is only something I put together just by chance, like doing all this other research. But what's really interesting about that 9th of Ab date is that's also Jeffrey Epstein was found, he was killed on the night of the 9th of Ab, um, 2000, uh, what was that, 2018 or 17? I forget when he was killed. Was he actually killed? Um, it's, it's, it really is not, oh, well, you know, it's really hard to tell because they never, they showed one picture of him getting dragged off or whatever. It could have been a body double. They have no video footage. Yep. So it's really not, it's kind of like the question of, oh, were there actually planes that hit the, the Twin Towers at all, or was it just explosives and the planes were CGI? That's the type of stuff that I don't get caught up in too much because it really could be either way, and it doesn't really matter. What, the just, most important part is, is the symbolism behind it. Right, right. So just to, just to go to the, the Ninth of Ave thing, what was also interesting is... Um, Right before, like two weeks before Epstein was killed, they released uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Did you guys see that movie? No. It was the one with... Uh, but I, I heard it. Like, it was, it was, it was Leo, promoted pretty heavy. Leo and um, not Cruz, but um, who's the other dude? I forget. Anyway, star-studded film. It was the it was a uh, how do you say this guy's name Quentin Tarantino or whatever mm -hmm. hit the only movie that man made without Harvey Weinstein as executive producer because Weinstein was already in jail. Um, that once upon in once upon a time in Hollywood was was that, and in that movie the climax of the film is it's describing it's basically it's like semi based on a true story. It's about the Manson attacks. And basically, um, the Manson, he was another cult leader, fellow mm -hmm. cult leader. Um, not one of my favorite cults, though. Um, and he basically, that night of the attack in the movie, and they, they, they specifically, they make sure you know what the date is. They, they flash it on the screen. That is, it's the 9th of F. They, they make sure you know it's the 9th of F in the movie. Gotcha. So... Um, and that came out two weeks before the Epstein death. So that's like another example of like how Hollywood and, and these groups are all colluding. And, um, and they just, they leave, you know, a trail. Clues. Yeah, and yeah, let's yeah. let's mm. talk about that, right? Because that's a part of the, like, the karmic debt cycle, right? Is that as long as it's, as long as these things are shown, then it's not an issue morally for them, mm -hmm. right? As long as you- Or they so believe it. Or that's, not, that's a part yeah. of that's a part of the theology of the Bavarian yes. Franks or the 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 Sabatian Frank Barbarian Illuminati. Like yeah. All these people who are kind of pulling strings. That's a key thing, right? Yes. So specifically, you know, I was talking about it. it. Basically, it all goes back to this this same these same esoteric principles since ancient Egypt. Um, there's this book called the Kabbalion, because basically all these texts still to this day. We know of um, basically, they call it hermeticism, is like the phrase they use to describe this esoteric doctrine. And um, I've read uh, what's the book? The, I've read the Kabbalion by the, the three initiates, yeah. right? So that it's book, a great book, yeah, that I book. I think was, I ordered it and then they canceled it on me. 
Oh, really? Wow, they don't let you to I know. I think it was Amazon or something. They don't want you to know. Um, but yeah, so that book is basically, um, it's based on the Hermetic philosophy. Hermes is the Greek god of knowledge based on the Egyptian god Thoth. And basically that is the title, if you want to, it's the most accurate title to describe the overall esoteric uh, theology and um, science in some ways, alchemy essentially, of... Um, of these of these ruling class people so in the Kabbalion it it's it was written anonymously they kind of have it nailed down to who who actually wrote it um and the dude it's it's questionable if you know if he had like really good access to information or not but the idea is we only have as far as ancient documents that talk about hermeticism there's these it's called the hermeticum it's a collection of i believe it's only 14 documents 24 i forget um, but it's a collection of documents which describe the Hermetic philosophy. But in the, uh, what people say is that in the secret societies, they have access to much more. That's been passed down in personal libraries um, throughout time. In the uh, Kabbalion specifically, it talks, about, um, it talks about how karma operates. And there's two, they describe it as there being two planes that karma operates. There's the conscious level and the subconscious level. So they say the, um, the goal of becoming a trained hermeticist to being, becoming a master of this is to learn how to separate between the conscious and subconscious karmic swings. So it's basically if you have a bunch of pleasure, then eventually the karmic swing would give you pain unless you can learn to master this duality separation. So basically by subconsciously influencing people through the uh, predictive programming, then they dodge the swing back. They can get all the advantage out of the event, but they dodge the backswing and it just hurts all the people who they were like actually getting the, the benefit from originally. Um, by by you and they use predictive programming to do so exactly and that goes back to it's chaos magic it's just like alan they, they Moore tell you says. it's coming right and then mm -hmm. they are freed of that karmic debt when they actually mm -hmm. do it because they already told you and it no, almost they, they tell you it's coming so that they yes. can reap the pleasure of it while you reap the pain of it so that it's that's, equally balanced. That's just what I said, but just a different way. <laughs> that's, but that's, that's beautiful. Really, that's a, that's that's a good okay. way of explaining as well. Um, and to go into that more, this is, goes back to that question of is everything planned or is it all chaos? Because, you know, specifically they call it chaos magic. And um, it's predictive programming has a few different ways. In one way, it's a taunt. It's that karmic thing. They tell you what they're going to do before they do it. For instance, Fight Club comes out in, in 1999, where the end of the movie is them looking out at two towers in a controlled demolition. And then they, that's basically the scene you get on 9-11. And that, the guy who wrote that was also a chaos magician. Um, they're a part of this group called the Discordian Society. But anyways, that, you know, that's a whole different thing. But there's another aspect where there's the predictive programming like contagion, where you put that out and that just gets people, the more you present a situation to people, the more comfortable they become with it and the more predictively they'll react to it. Subconsciously. Yeah. yeah. So when they see, when they see, and 
when they see a pandemic happen in real life, all these people now in lockdown at home, they're, what are they doing? They're watching Netflix, and what's on Netflix? Contagion. They'll watch Contagion again. They're, oh, this is just what's happening. Oh, look at, oh, dope. Matt Damon is showing me that it's cool to get a Vax passport. This is so dope. This is, Dr. Fauci, is, he's right. Like, and the Dr. Fauci character in there is a black guy that like gets attacked and like it's a total, like, oh my God, he's just a good guy. And all these people are hating him. All these bad conspiracy theorists, they're saying he made it in a lab. Um, and... Uh, so yeah, there, there's multiple levels to it where sometimes it's like a subtle nod, like, hey, we're about to fucking do this shit. And then other times it's like very specific, like contagion where they just lay it out. Um, and this, it really, Marvel is, is the most powerful out of all of them, um, which, uh, which we can go into. Um, so I wanna, so that's an interesting thing. I have a few questions, right? And a few, I'll give you a few options of where we can take this. Mm -hmm. uh, this discussion like so my first question is we could either talk about what other sort of tools because I think it's good that people foster an awareness you know if maybe they're watching this because they like content marketing and you know they watch the yep. associates or trying to build a business like I think yeah. it's good that people understand these things because I think it gives them a little bit more agency as they go about their own life and improving their own life if they mm -hmm. if they have an understanding it's like you just feel a little bit more comfortable when something crazy happens like coronavirus for mm -hmm. example like where a lot of people are freaking out i feel like people within sort of our echo chamber are more composed maybe mm -hmm. yeah. to some extent um or not maybe it, <laughs> I, th it really I think so but i think so too in general um we so just, we could either talk about that <clears throat> entrepreneurs or, are independent minded so yeah or i would love for you to you know kind of project forward then you know if you have this predictive programming like what's next mm -hmm. based on I, your I, pattern recognition right and i'd also love to talk about why they even do all of this stuff mm. why why can't we just live peacefully right like why mm -hmm. i think we have some ideas but i want to hear from you okay. and then i also at the end i want to just name events 1913 jfk 1971 i just want to hear a splurge of your thoughts out okay after that sweet so so where do you want to start so i think i think that's a, another it's just beautiful how you've got the you got the bullet points fantastic yeah. questions because again <laughs> it's uh it's um you know why do they what drives these people to do evil things is is it money is it power is it something else is there are they controlled by, so there's a fun so there's a fun um there's this philosopher alan watts who um i believe he died in the 90s but he was he was doing his lecture his lecture he, d he does lectures he was a presbyterian minister who then traveled to asia and studied with zen monks and he he has these lectures that are very they go deep into philosophy and they combine western and eastern anyways he he talks on that on that same um, vein of why they do this evil he has a fun thought experiment which he presents in one of his lectures where he says imagine you could have anything you want instantly Anything you want, you can have it instantly. Any pleasure, orgies, feast. Anything. You don't have to work for anything. Yeah. It's okay. just snap your fingers and you have it. That is hell. How quickly would you get so bored of everything that the only thing that would bring you any, any pleasure or novelty would just be pain? It would be pain, torture. You'd want things Torture that on themselves or torturing others and, and pain um, on others? 
Both, both, because okay. you know people are into you know like BDSM type shit, like whipping and, and like Wolf of Wall Street. He's getting mm-hmm. like whipped and fuck dominatrix type shit. So that's that's basically Wolf of Wall de- Street depravity, huh? Uh, do, that scene in that movie. I don't you know? I don't remember the scene, but I've watched the movie. Okay, yeah. you you remember where he's getting uh, Wolfy Wolfy? He's like, oh, getting, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's at the very beginning. Um, uh, out of the snorting the the cooking. Out of the, yeah, yeah, I think yeah, off her ass or whatever. Great scene, but um, <laughs> yeah, oh, it's predictive programming with Wall Street. What does it mean? Um, but uh, it means the Jesso it's wants you to get rich. <laughs> Bastards. Um, so, so yeah, that's uh, that thought experiment of you know, uh, there's always duality in life. That's what the yin and yang symbol represents. Is that yin, there's always going to be evil. It's inescapable. Even when you create a society, you can see it in the psychology of, of the modern Westerner, upper middle class white girl. They have everything handed to them. They, could, they don't even really need to work, to be honest. They could skate by and whatever. They have everything handed to them, Uber Eats, everything. But they will create problems. They will find a way, a reason to be depressed. They will find, and some of them are good reasons because it is when you get to a level of opulence and like convenience there is like it takes part of your soul there's not like you don't get the pleasure of working for something etc but that's that's one conceptual way of looking that at that as far as why they do evil it's because what uh and specifically the talking about the ruling class is what at once you can have anything you want um with money anything money can buy then you'd want things that money can't buy you need absolute power human trafficking um again torture uh human sacrifice which is actually that's probably that's another thing too is like any all this stuff again is not new all this all these secret societies and whatever they go back to the earliest recorded history and to go in they've always you know the ruling class has always done human sacrifices as well mm-hmm. and shit like that so um it's always been around and then what was your the second part of that question Oh, events like in in history. I think we come back to that near the end. I, I think the the next thing is really talking about what what do you think comes next? Where like where we're at? I mean, twenty sixteen we was like a significant date, mm-hmm. and we had the whole Trump election era, mm-hmm. and then the the lockdowns and, and stuff like that, and we see the this big power shift in the Vatican and whatever. Sure. But what is coming next in your opinion? I always before I, before he gives his answer, I always think about. I think it was like Black Ops 2, perhaps, where it was, uh, it was like set in 2024. It was Black Ops 2 or 3, and it was like the Cold War set in 2024 or 2025, <laughs> and it was like obviously Russia, U.S. Mm-hmm. It's just super funny to think back on predict, like some of these you know, rhetoric devices that the, the ruling class will say uses to sort of infiltrate mass consciousness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What if that was it? <laughs> yeah, no, the... the uh, now we've got... Like Call of Duty games, yeah, hugely impacted culture and like great recruiting co- tool for the military and uh, keeping, keeping the wars going. But, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, that, that's... Uh, so, I mean, that... Okay, so, so what comes uh, next? Yeah, what comes I have a couple opinion? of things that come to my mind is okay. you know, big switch in the financial system. Um, we see, like, obviously the stuff with Russia, China, all that, but it seems like power in the financial system is... De-dollarization. Is, right, is, is being 
flipped from the U.S. to these other countries. And I also think that brings probably war to a certain degree, depending on what happens, because it's a big power flip. Um, so I want to really know where, where you see the next, and, and also just control. Mm-hmm. You know, we have the social media now, we have the phones, the, the, the passes are on your phones, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, what's included in the next 10 years, 20 years, 50 years? Mm-hmm. Okay, so... So to go from, to just go from the launch pad of, um, of, I guess, uh, 2016, I mean, that was, that was the election of 2016. So to go to like what was happening then as like a big initiation phase, because basically as far as the guidestones, you know, that was the one marker they ever did. The one thing they ever did with it, that was 36 years after it was erected so it's pretty important like time frame that was you know it's basically debates it was debates going on um between hillary and trump basically well actually i think it might have been the primary season still but it was basically setting up the battle between hillary and trump which is uh which kind of polarized the country way more than like previous elections for sure um but I guess uh, as far as as far as like what's coming up in the future, I guess we'll I'll just uh, focus on that. So one of the reasons, or really the next thing coming up here, is and this is something that during the pandemic you may have noticed. I believe it was um, late in 2020, near the end of the first year, that you may have noticed Fauci, Biden, and he said this in 2021 as well. But they would just keep repeating this phrase over and over again. They'd always say, dark winter, dark winter, dark winter, dark winter, Fauci said. And you could just Google dark winter, and there's a bunch of articles. Fauci says, dark winter is coming. Biden, dark winter. Are those tied in with, like, the build back better thing and um, the reset or something? I forgot what Great reset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. It's all, and if you want to point to that, I guess this should have been my an, part of my answer for the ruling, who's the real ruling class type thing, is the World Economic Forum is hugely influential. If you want to, it's like not even, it's so outrageous at this point that it's not even a conspiracy theory because you can literally just, Charles or uh, Klaus Schwab, the, the leader of the World Economic Forum, literally just wrote a book called The Great Reset. So when people are like, oh, the Great Reset conspiracy theory, it's like, it's not a conspiracy theory. He wrote a book publicly, and he's, they're telling you exactly what they want to do, which is you know, basically centralized power. So the ruling class are the only people that get to have any type of like normalcy and freedom, and the rest of the population is left to fucking not own anything ever, you know, rent your entire life, work remote on some soy job, and never fucking and eat a ton of soy fucking you know the bugs transition and fucking uh the bugs just like yeah extreme just really it goes back to the eugenics thing is they actually want the lower class to look completely different than than the upper class and if you notice kim kardashian took out all of her implants recently because it became bbls and and uh fake tits became like Lower class. A lower class thing yeah. because it became accessible. So it no longer, they're literally morphing how people look. But anyways, um, dark winter. So if you want to ask, if you want to get my like best answer for what's coming next, 
is dark winter. So they, they kept repeating this phrase over and over again, dark winter, dark winter, dark winter. So the question is, what the hell is dark winter? Look it up. It was in the same way that we were just talking about event 201, which was a simulation of the global coronavirus pandemic. Um, there, in 2001, there was a, a military simulation called dark winter. And it was basically a situation, it was a simulation of a bioterrorist attack using a modified version of smallpox um, to cause economic collapse and a dark winter, cause like a total, you know, a, a great a collapse of civilization and, and poverty, strife, etc. Um, so if you noticed, the reason that Biden still has emergency powers to where he can basically at any time, you know, they're not really doing anything with coronavirus right now as far as like doing new health mandates and whatever, but he's, they still have all that power, which unprecedented power. It's like basically those are invented for war times. That was the only reason governments are supposed to have these emergency powers. Um, he used monkeypox to extend that because basically coronavirus had died down. And if you notice, as soon as he declared that health emergency to give him more emergency powers, have you heard about monkeypox since? Nothing, it's dropped off. So. I also and, don't watch the news. So oh, okay. Know. Okay. Nice. Nice. Well, that's that's great. That's why you're. That's why you are where you are in life because you don't waste your time in this shit. But um, <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Um, so yeah. Basically, that's showing directly. Like they talked about it. Talked about it. Talked about it for like a year. They said dark winter for a year before coming out with the little smallpox variant. And at the same time that monkeypox was around. It was revealed that there were bio labs in Ukraine, which the Russians had taken control of and said that the U.S. was using them to and create bio weapons. Wasn't that like part of the narrative for the Ukraine, like the Russia, Russia invading Ukraine? I, I, I saw something about them taking over bio labs and they're bombing cities with bio labs <clears throat> or something. Yeah, it, it could very well have been one of their main objectives. Um, it's definitely something that they specifically talked about. Um, and then the U.S. denied for a while. And then later, they, there's actually a, a congressional hearing you could uh, watch where um, they questioned one of the U.S. health officials and was like, hey, do we have bio labs in the Ukraine? She's like, yeah, we do. And we're scared that Russia could take control of it and use it. And, but then in the news, they just say, oh, it's a conspiracy theory, conspiracy theory. Basically, the semantics they use is that, oh, it was just bio-research. It wasn't, we weren't making weapons. We were just experimenting with undisclosed different bio-agents. But anyways, you know, whether or not monkeypox was you know, a bio-weapon, it's just the, those markers are, again, you know, it fits in with the predictive programming thing, the simulation, and, and now, because of Ukraine, back when they first started saying dark winter, it was like, okay, like things are bad during the pandemic. Lockdowns were interrupting the supply line or whatever. But until they really kicked up the Ukraine thing and like stopped, Russia stopped giving out energy to, to Europe. And now, especially recently with the Nord Stream uh, pipeline getting blown up, now they don't even have the option of turning it back on in the winter where Europe is going to freeze. They don't really need power that much during the, during the summer. Like they don't even have AC because it barely gets hot yeah. because of their, um, their altitude or their, what is it, longitude, latitude, latitude, I think. And, but in the winter, those MFs are going to freeze. 
like they are done for. You can it. swear on here, but it's way. already it's already it's already fucked. So they are going to have a dark winter and, and it's not to say that the US is going to be exempt from it. We're even, you know, we're looking at extreme amounts of high or inflation, which is high was eight point three percent or something last month, highest rate since the seventies. Um, and we're looking at you know, a very similar, a dark winter. Like once it gets anywhere except Miami, they're gonna be all fucked. So, so how long? How much longer do you think? You talk about inflation. How much longer do you think it goes on before it just blows up in our faces? So that leads to the next part of the uh, the next part of the plan. So we move on to the next simulation, which is like once you really, you know, once you'll go through all this stuff, like, and again, if you're not making your living off of this you should just not pay attention to it whatsoever. Like just don't watch the news is honestly the best way to do it. But for me, um, once I, once you're in this deep, you can just look at these simulations and they'll tell you exactly what they're going to do. So dark winter, that's basically in the bag. That's happening. That's going to be this winter. Next <clears throat> is a little simulation they call cyber polygon, which they actually ran with the Russians, the, the West and, and Russia, co-ran this simulation, I believe it was in the summer of 2021. Cyber Polygon is basically, it's a simulation of a, um, a cyber attack causing a global financial collapse. So as you know, money is going extremely digital. And yep. the money that we use, um, you know, bank accounts, that's completely, it's not nearly as secure as say Bitcoin or something like that, where there's a shared ledger, where you can make sure that no one's printing billions, which they have been with the dollar. Um, and basically it all relies on these different banks like actually keeping track of their shit. And they themselves are loaning out money they don't have. Yep. Um, so anyways, a cyber attack, once the inflation gets bad enough, and, and what's funny is, even though the US dollar is not backed by anything, been off the gold standard since 1971, um, we just print, we just printed, I think at least, like a, at a, I've seen different estimates, but at a minimum, like we added an additional 30% of the supply on top of what was existing, seen, if not I've doubled. Like, I've seen 50%, I think. It's, yeah, I, I was just, I'm just giving the low ball estimate there. Yeah. But, it, and it, they really, they and, actually stopped telling us how much they were printing too. And so for reference, really like, the banks in 2008 that got bailed out were hundreds of billions. Now we're just printing trillions like, mm -hmm. like that um, of debt. Just mm -hmm. <laughs> At the beginning of the pandemic, they actually were giving, the Fed was giving out stats telling you yeah. how much they were printing. And once they got to like 60 billion or something, they just shut it off. They're like, uh, we're not going to tell you anymore. Um, and, and it was a huge scandal in 2008. It was unprecedented that they would do something like that. Um, and then the interest rate, which is basically how they print money, was at zero or negative when you calculate in the time value of money. The way that the Federal Reserve was lending out money to banks was they're literally, they were paying the banks to take the money because they weren't charging, they were charging such a minuscule amount of interest that they were basically paying the banks to take the money because you could earn a better rate of return in anything. Yeah. Um, so anyways, this, this Ponzi scheme that they've had going since the Federal Reserve was created, basically, um, in 1933, officially, um, is going, it has to collapse eventually. And all currencies do, 
every all empire's fiat, yeah. yeah all fiat currencies do eventually collapse unless they're you know fiat currency means it's not backed by anything if you have if your coins are actually made out of silver then it's hard for well, that what happened to go in away. rome right like in rome they had a gold coin i mm-hmm. believe and they started to put dilute it with other metals and then mm-hmm. basically over time it's like barely any gold left so it wasn't really gold anymore it wasn't really the actual currency anymore mm-hmm. and then the empire eventually collapsed yep exactly exactly and there's a ton of predictive programming stuff uh to do with that uh tons of crazy parallels and it has to do with um jan 6 and the crossing of the rubicon with caesar but um anyways yeah so basically they're gonna the cyber polygon is the next move after that so to answer the question of like how far the hyperinflation goes they'll let it get pretty bad the I thing think, is the rest of the the rest of the world is going to be super fucked and then the u.s gets fucked last because yep. we have some control over the the world financial so what system what comes out of that what comes out of the cyber polygon financial system collapse so this is something that cbdc's the, yes exactly the federal reserve just released um it might have been the u.s treasury as well i know the treasury was talking about it during the pandemic if you remember they were already starting to prepare people for it by saying oh national coin shortage with the fed yeah. watch out uh, don't touch the money it might have coronavirus <laughs> on it don't don't use money <laughs> um so they've been preparing us for so long for that um, that one's super yeah. funny to me. Like to me, the, like I don't know how anyone can believe that, but I'm sure people have believed that that they're gonna get Corona from touching the, the touching money. Touching money, yeah. Don't don't get your money. It's a national coin shortage. I mean, I don't touch change because it's annoying. <laughs> yeah, I just yeah, just toss that <laughs> on. Clean bills are nothing. Mm-hmm. So I I've kind of been on the the CBDC CBDC thing for a while because back in like 2018 2019 started researching crypto a lot, mm-hmm. and I was like. This is like I like there's all this research from the Fed and, and the IMF and the World Bank and the Bank of International Settlements and stuff yep. about how they're ri- basically going to come out with this. And then liquidity is like the main thing that they start to talk about. I think XRP or the technology that XRP is is mm-hmm. what is going to be utilized personally mm-hmm. based on everything I've researched. But if they win that SEC deal, let's go. <laughs> or case, but, rather. but um because I was just I was just trying to get rich, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I was just investing and all the conspiracy stuff came up. But yeah. to to That's Nick's, honestly Nick's it's honestly aping, a huge part of Nick's mine. Nick's aping shit coins based on what the conspiracies <laughs> say. But it's not a bad um, strategy. Sweet, not yeah. a bad strategy, yeah. But to just me to me at the end of the day it's all about control mm-hmm. for for these people and mm-hmm. and CBDC and whatever liquidity pool they want to use and cuz that's where the narrative's going to go cuz like everything's going to freeze up, right? Mm-hmm. To me, it's all about control, and it's all about how best they can control people. And like you were saying, it's a, it's an open ledger like Bitcoin is. So anyone can see every single transaction. They will see everything inside of your bank account, and they will mm-hmm. know everything. But unlike, unlike with Bitcoin, in, where we can, where anybody can see, I the whole hate thing Bitcoin anyway. But. With with uh, with CBDC or central bank uh, digital currencies they only they can see the yeah. ledger so everybody else is out exactly and now it's just one so when does when does bitcoin go to zero i you know i think there's i think the transition is going to be um i, I don't think it's going to be all or nothing i think there's going there's always going to be because the problem is yes you could create once everything goes into hyperinflation yes you could create a new central bank digital currency but you're going to run into the same problem 
that caused the dollars to collapse in the first point. The reason the dollar is going to ultimately collapse is because when we went off a gold standard, we went on to what's called the referred to as the petrodollar, where yep. we had OPEC agree to only sell their oil in U.S. dollars. Which, so the biggest group yeah. of oil producers, if you wanted to buy oil any country, you'd have to first buy U.S. dollars. So that means the U.S. was able to print free money and we'd give it in order to get our money that we printed for free. You would have to give us actual goods, services, resources. So that that's what the U.S. empire was essentially built And it's backed on. by our military. Yeah. If you try to sell your oil in anything else, if you're Libya, Iraq, Iraq was trying to sell their, their oil in euros right before we destroy them. Libya was trying to start... Um, and uh, they didn't have central banks there either, right? Those are like the countries without central banks are the ones we invaded. Libya didn't... I don't think... Was it, was it Iran that didn't? Sure. Uh, it's it's possible. I, I've heard different I've heard different things as, as far as that. I think um, it, it could very well be, and it's definitely if you're not participating in the in the dollar system and central banking system, then you're a hundred percent a target. And you're not able to participate in in global commerce. But that is basically the, the reason we went to so many of these wars. If you look at the real reason, for instance, Venezuela, I remember we were about to, they were like ramping up for war with Venezuela um, and we were supporting the rebels or whatever in the civil war. We we're basically, you know, doing a soft coup over there because they were originally in OPEC, Venezuela. Then they got off, nationalized their oil. Then we sanctioned them so that they couldn't make any money. All, where all their money was coming from before just got cut off essentially. Um, and so we, we've been doing complete warfare on anybody who d sells their oil and not U.S. dollars will come after you and destroy you. And that's kind of what's going on with, with Russia as well. The reason Russia is such a threat is that they do supply energy to a huge portion of the rest of the, the modern world. Um, but it, that's the big thing we were talking about earlier, de-dollarization. What's ultimately going to happen is China recently okay. has, has stopped... Can okay, I mention something? Yeah. And and I think that it's probably important to make the distinction between we say we, right? Like the United States, mm -hmm. but it's really the people who control the United States and control the money supply and the Federal Reserve and those families, mm -hmm. right? It's really them yeah. that are making these things happen because of their control over the dollar, not like the United States per se. Correct. And the and the Federal Reserve is not it's not a it's not a federal entity, and they have no reserves. And I, um, part of this documentary is going to it's basically going to be recreating this trip that me and Nick took across the country, and we visited Jekyll Island, which was the place that the creature of Jekyll Island, great book, um, if you want to understand the Federal Reserve, is basically the place where these um, private bankers plotted the creation of the Federal Reserve in 1913. Um, met there secretly, and basically they're not elected officials, and somehow they were able to create this entity and then have it come into power. They basically passed it, I believe in 1933, like a couple days, um, I think it was December 23rd, where all most of Congress had left for Christmas, and they were able to just push it through. Um, but yeah, exactly. It is a private entity, and it's those international bankers, again, um, which involve the Rothschilds quite a bit. There's a, you know, it's, there's a few other players besides them, but yeah. So I think the last kind of question that I have, because this is, I don't want to kill you with this spitting bars right now. <laughs> um, is there anything that, 
you know, people can do with some of this, like, you know, esoteric knowledge or awareness to kind of counter mm-hmm. anything, you know, like the people, like they use rhetoric or, or repetition or like these, you know, hermetic principles, maybe like the, the duality or the programming or whatever it might be. Yeah. Is there anything like, is there anything people can do with any sort of awareness with this to counteract or protect themselves from yeah. what's going and on? Additionally, why study stuff like this? Mm-hmm. Why be aware? That's yeah. Another, uh, another, another great question. Um, so really it, it goes back to, you know, a lot of people, they talk about this concept of the black pill where you look into so much stuff, you research it and you find out about all these super powerful entities. You can see them clearly, you know, you see event 201 happening and then they just do it in real life and no one suspects them, even though they just told you this is what we're about to do. And they, and they created the virus and they, and they made the solution. It's the exact same NIH. But anyways, people, they refer to it as the black pill where you get like, you know, you just get depressed because you're like, what can I do? I can't stop them. Um, and, and yeah, so basically at the end of the day with like the most productive thing to do with this knowledge, if you do, you know, take the time to get it or whatever is one, you got to really focus on yourself. So what we were talking about earlier, um, how you guys mentioned it's, it is good to know about it in, but only so much as you can now make informed decisions. Like for instance, because um, you know, because people learned about the Federal Reserve means specifically because I learned about the Federal Reserve in 2017, I was able to get into Bitcoin at uh, 1300, right? Be- right before it like really took off. Because so that knowledge led me to actual physical more freedom and tangible benefits in my life because I knew enough about history to see where things were going because I knew about the economic principles that they didn't teach me my entire fucking four year fucking business degree. Um, which is, <laughs> Drew I, I was able to time the market and make a killing <laughs> on Bitcoin. <laughs> but yeah, no, so that's what, I mean, that's just one really good example of like why conspiracy theory knowledge will, um, benefit you. And especially during, um, Corona times and shit, if you were actually keeping up with it, you knew as a young person, you had basically zero chance of any severe uh, consequences of catching it. Um, if you're you know, healthy and whatever, but again, you have to be informed to, to know what your risk level is. Then you would know, for instance, I was just traveling the entire country at a discount, going wherever <laughs> I want, empty everything, and fucking having a ball yeah. with no consequences because I knew the actual reality of the situation. Yeah, same. I was in Brazil having a blast. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that it's also too like one thing I'll just say about that is, if you have awareness of these things, you can not like to me. There's not much anyone can do, right? But if you are taking care of yourself and you find a way to, you know, you use this knowledge, you you take care of your health, you take care of your finances, whatever. You do the best you can right now with what you have. I also think too that. You know, one of the biggest things I always think about is there's just so much more of us, like just normal, everyday, solid, good-hearted people mm-hmm. who just want normalcy. And if you can, you know, present these things in a, and maybe like it never really works to kind of push these ideas on people, but if you're doing well and setting a good example, then like people will be kind of interested. And if you actually have tangible events to point them to and say, hey, don't you think 
like this happened actually and here's the the sort of proof of that and then you know it kind of leads into this don't you think and you can actually like help people understand what's going on so that they have to ask first is what you're saying basically. they have to ask but once they do you know you can kind of help help it, get it, people on the same page and to people where it's are like, more likely to ask if you're someone worthy of like having that knowledge or you mm -hmm. appear and their perspective of you is like oh he's like doing good in life or, mm -hmm. or something along those lines yeah. so i think it comes back to what we kind of talk about all the time is like just become as rich and dangerous as possible and just as valuable as possible as a person mm -hmm. and things start to get really good for you and you can kind of use situations like this as a motivator almost or a driver for sure i had a banger tweet one time it was like do you ever think of the cabal's worst enemy while you're working out or are you normal <laughs> it's a slapper that's fire that's yeah. fire yeah exactly so the um using it to intangible ways to benefit your own life and then um furthermore to get to like the question of can we use these same principles to cast a counter spell essentially and change the timeline I mean, using the same principles that they have used to program the masses to get them to accept certain scenarios and obviously they don't have a great future plan for them it's a very what their future they have planned is That's essentially super interesting super ruling class so that's essentially what apocalypse dow is that's the project i'm working on is this documentary is going to use those same predictive programming principles except in reverse where we write a new ending and it's like and it's, it's all hard style ziz <laughs> remixes Vegeta, hard step, uh, yeah. hard style, EDM remix. AR-15, heavy metal, like just, yeah. <laughs> exactly. What's the actual outcome? So, so Sorry, yeah. I had to. <laughs> no, I, I, I wanted, there was another point in the pod too where I was, involved. you said something about, I don't even know what it was, but I just felt so, I didn't, but I felt so strongly to just interject and like, yeah, like they'll do it until they'll try to do it, but a group of, High seas pirates will reign supreme. Exactly. Rebel, well, that, rebel it, it goes with the the whole duality aspect. Is that there's always, um, you know, throughout history, there's always an advancement towards the trend has always been towards higher levels of decentralization. Um, so, like the printing press, and th this kind of goes into astrology as well. Which another one of my better predictions was I was talking about in 2019. I kept tweeting about this uh, astrological event called uh, Saturn conjunct Pluto and Capricorn. And this event only, it, the last time it happened was 700 or so years ago during the uh, Protestant Reformation where there was the printing press, the Bible was translated out of, um, out of Latin, and there was a huge decentralization of information that led to the Renaissance. Um, that same event happened January 12th, 2020. And I had been talking about it a bunch before it happened. And then and we got TikTok. nine days later, <laughs> nine days later, the first case of coronavirus was discovered in the US. And that started, I don't think anyone would disagree that we live in a much different world two years later after that event 100%. than before. Everything is much more online, like just everything, like the internet. I think that was like the flipping point. Like the internet is more real life than real life, I think. And it still yeah. is. Mm -hmm. And it will be. It's the metaverses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and again, there's always uh, another interesting thing to think about is like, oh, there's this, you know, it's, what a dark future, blah, blah, blah. Um, really, it, 
you think about what happened with the pandemic again, like, yes, a lot of people had their businesses harmed. You know, there's people that, you know, went to the hospital and got a fucking remdesivir injected and died as fucking little Fauci's little, anyways, a whole different <laughs> subject. But anyway, so there's, if you're informed, you can always find advantages in each situation. There's a constant duality. There's never truly, sometimes it'll look more dark than light, you know, et cetera. But you got to think, um, uh, there's always an advantage that you can take in each situation, um, which is important to remember so you don't get blackpilled. You just got to, again, try and find ways to actually implement the information. For sure. I think this is a great place to kind of transition into how I want to end the podcast. <laughs> and that's with naming events or certain things that kind of happen throughout history chronologically mm-hmm. and just getting a one or two sentence response. Uh, from you oh, and perfect. I think Logan I'll wait for you to get water yeah maybe bring the water back here I'll take some. here let me take a piss real quick pause uh, unpause my, my, we're back yeah unpause we're I want to kind of name just a couple maybe events or people or things throughout history chronologically okay probably starting with Jesus Christ okay and I just want a couple sentences off the top of your head on each of them about what what you think and your what it is what they random mean. and your random knowledge that no one else that is watching normal YouTube is going to know. Okay. So, Jesus Christ, first one. Fire, uh, fire first, uh, first event. So, so basically, there's a couple of real interesting things about, um, you know, regardless of the, the story of the life of Jesus, etc. The I think what's really interesting to me is the symbols that the Roman Catholic Church put on top of the story that basically formed the symbolism of the church, etc. Like, for instance, they um, the way that Jesus is depicted um, in these, you know, our earliest depictions of him represent, or they they're similar to um, this other Roman god that was popular at the time called Mithras, and he was worshipped in the catacombs. He's worshipped underground. And that's how the early Christians were also forced to worship underground to avoid persecution. So there's some interesting connections there. I think also there's a lot of solar symbolism in the way that the Roman Catholic Church presents Christianity. Um, For instance, uh, Christmas was was originally... um, on January 7th, and if you have any friends that are in uh, the Greek Orthodox Church to this day, they also, they still celebrate Christmas on January 7th. Um, and that basically, that like the timing of Christmas, uh, it's basically, um, it's basically uh, like, for instance, December 25th, like uh, it's the day that the... Um, it's basically when the sun starts getting bigger in the sky every day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it basically winter equinox or whatever. And then the, the sun is born. The sun is born. Yeah. It's getting bigger. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Thank you. So, and there's also a bunch of stuff like the Romans. Um, they had Sol, in, Sol Invictus, their solar god, shared a bunch of symbolism. Um, that was like their main Helios. That was like their main, I think even um, Constantine which was the Roman emperor in, um, in 300 AD that actually made Christianity the national religion of the, of the empire. 
Um, he previously had in like his coins that he printed. On the flip side, he had Sol Invictus. So there's all these connections between this solar deity, and then they kind of took all that symbolism. Like you always see Jesus with the halo, but or like like the solar disk behind him. And that again, it goes back to um, so there's Sol Invictus, Helios. Those are actually Greek gods that the Romans took. But where did the Greeks get their pantheon of gods was the Egyptians. So it goes back to Horus, and uh, which was the sun god. And Horus was resurrected. He was a resurrected god that basically was resurrected from Osiris. Um, and uh, yeah, so, so there's all this like, there's all this very interesting stuff as far as like rebranding older religions. And that kind of goes back to our original concept of, of all these uh, thought systems are basically just the same, slightly rebranded from ancient Egypt. Interesting. Yeah. And ancient Egypt itself, um, Plato says uh, in Plato's works, Timaeus and Crataeus, where we get the stories of Atlantis, he says that the Egyptian priest told his ancestor Solon that Egypt was actually a colony of Atlantis. So all the ancient wisdom we get from Egypt, which is then rebranded throughout history, is actually even older from Atlantis. Which is exactly why I put the pyramids in my Atlantis shirt. Think about it. Fire. Yeah. Ancient Egypt, the pyramids, and are they electrical generators? Um, very possibly. Uh, so just to start off, I, um, the most interesting parts about the pyramid. One second. Oh, okay. oh. I was just going to leave it there. Okay. Um, so pyramids. So we're talking about like astrology and stuff and how important it is in these, um, in these ancient religions. For instance, this is one thing I meant to say about the uh, Jesus thing, is, you, the, you know, the fish symbol used mm -hmm. for Jesus to, like, Christianity? That's also the sign of Pisces, and that's the age we've been in for the last 2,000 years. And now we're in Aquarius. So, yeah, oh, we're, yeah we're transitioning yes. into Aquarius. So, so, basically, they came up, or they started to promote this religion, Christianity, with the symbol of Pisces right at the Piscean age 2,000 years ago. So these ages are approximately 2,100 years apiece. And now we have Aquarius, which will be the, the re-rise of Atlantis. <laughs> the, yeah, the, the water bearer, the, the knowledge bearer. Um, but the pyramids themselves, interestingly enough, you know, mainstream, mainstream science says they're built like, I think it's like 6,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago, I forget exactly when which is complete bullshit. You can't carbon date rock. So we have no idea where, when this shit went up. We have like, so, and there's no hieroglyphics describing when the pyramids were built whatsoever. So we have no, there is no actual hard evidence whatsoever. Um, what's interesting though is the pyramids, they are arranged in a way that mimics um, a constellation known as Orion's Belt. And 13,000 years ago, they would have been directly underneath Orion's belt in the night sky. So whether or not they were built 13,000 years ago, it's clear that whoever built them, that was their message. They were trying to say, they were trying to point to that age to tell you something. And the Sphinx, the other major megalithic structure, 
you know, obviously uh, a lion, it would have been facing the, I believe it would be the, um, the summer equinox. It would be directly facing the summer equinox again 13,000 years ago. And there was some interesting research done on the, um, the enclosure of the Sphinx where it has water erosion patterns that would have only formed in the climate that ancient Egypt had 13,000 years ago. So it all points back to the age of Leo, which is going back to Plato's account of Atlantis and Critias and Timaeus. He says he somehow accurately dates the fall of Atlantis to 9,000 years ago, the flood that wiped out Atlantis. He dates it 9,000 years um, before his ancestor's time, which would be, um, basically works out to 11,600 years ago from now. And that in the geological record, again, this is hard evidence we have, there was a event called, um, I, I believe it was like glacier melt B or something like that during this age called the Younger Dryas period. Essentially the North American ice cap started melting rapidly and it rose global sea levels 200 feet. Majorly changed the face of the earth completely. Yep. Um, and yeah, so I think that's the, uh, oh, and also, so you're saying power generation. Um, Nikola Tesla, who was, you know, created AC power, radio, um, et cetera. So basically everything, like all these modern inventions we have, like we're still using AC power. We really haven't done any better than what he came up with. Um, he, one of his last projects, the last project that he had funded by JP Morgan was this energy, this power tower that he originally told him was a new long range wireless transmitter for information like radio. He actually, the actual purpose of it was to create a network of free wireless energy using the Earth's um, magnetic field. He could transmit energy wirelessly. Like we have information we can send wirelessly, you get some, but uh, energy. even wireless charging, you have to have a direct contact. What he had was long distance wireless energy transfer. And once JP Morgan found out about that, because basically, again, all of the American empire is built on oil, like we talked about earlier, the petrodollar, obviously they couldn't have that. So they, uh, he got defunded, um, wiped out. He never got another project funded again. So who knows for the last like 20 or so years of his life, he had all these inventions that never got any attention, which he actually, during World War I, he came up with this death ray which he was trying to sell to governments as like a way to, to end the war, um, which is uh, pretty hilarious. Didn't didn't Trump's uncle get Nikola Tesla's documents? Yes. Yep. And Doctor, wasn't, Doctor wasn't, John Trump. Wasn't Prescott Bush the father of George H.W. and then Prescott was like Nikola Tesla's associate or something? There, that, and he was connected to the American Nazis or? or yeah, whatever. Prescott 100% connected to... Um, the American Nazis, he, um, he founded the Union Bank with the Harriman brothers that they used to fund the Nazi, the building of the Nazi headquarters, among other things. Basically, they, they set up the whole Nazi party. Um, there, is, there is some interesting stuff about like um, the Bushes like, um, working for Tesla. Again, it was one of those things where I looked into and couldn't find enough to like, you know, to really like get to my like seal of approval like type receipts. 
but uh, there is some interesting stuff about that. Also with, with the Bushes, like there is an, again, another clear connection. The whole reason the Bush family even had any wealth to begin with is they worked for the uh, Buckeye Steel Company for the Rockefellers, um, which is basically how they got their start. Um, I think that's a, I think it's a good one on Egypt and pyramids. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, that should do it. This one is a little bit random, and then and I want to go like more like actual U.S. moments. But the Library of Alexandria and Alexander the Great. That's a, that's a great one. That's something um, <clears throat> that uh, during the pandemic, a lot of my research was revolving around um, uh, eugenics and like industrial, like Gilded Age America and and Nazis, etc. But more recently, I've really been focusing on, on more Rome and, um, and Greece. So Alexander the Great, he's only a few generations removed from, I believe, I think it was Aristotle was his direct mentor, I think is the, is the lore. So these great Greek philosophers, you know, Solon, Plato, Pythagoras, um, it was only a few generations it took that knowledge, which they were um, educated in, in Egypt, it only took a few generations of that tutorship, that apprenticeship, until Alexander the Great pops up and takes over the majority of the known world at that time by the age of 23. And he basically... Uh, I, gotta, hard I gotta go way harder. <laughs> exactly. Caesar, I think, even said that, too. Caesar was like, uh, at age 23, Alexander had conquered twice as much as I have. Like, um, So, yeah, Alexander was just absolutely insane what he accomplished although i'm pretty sure he's banging dudes but you know whatever is ancient greece macedonia etc so they're kind of into that shit back then but uh but yeah no he, he did some good shit he did some good shit and really what you know we're talking about again all this ancient egyptian knowledge that actually and like you know, the knowledge in the atlantis. library of alexandria yeah. that was might have been lost mm -hmm. yeah so atlantis you know, that even more ancient civilization, Egypt being a colony of it, that would mean that the Library of Alexandria would have held information that would be from, um, be from Atlantis, which would, you know, if we lost it, uh, it would have been because the burning of the Library of Alexandria, so it was a great storehouse of knowledge in the ancient world, um, it was destroyed in the Roman Civil War, in um i believe it was it was 49 bc was when the roman civil war started um which actually started january 7th 49 bc in when um julius caesar crossed the rubicon after he had been voted out of power by the roman senate on january 7th which was the same date that trump was voted out of power um but it would have been jan 6th if not for the insurrection so again I talk about like false flags and pushing stuff back and connections between the, the two empires because that was the falling of the Roman Republic before it was a republic. After the Caesar and the Civil War, it didn't immediately become an empire. He was kind of, they didn't give him the, t the title emperor, but basically after that, um, that was, he was the, that's why they call all the emperors Caesar after it. But to get to the burning of the, the library, there is some evidence that it wasn't necessarily, it was like supposedly accidental, but, and then there's some also some information that maybe they were able to move it. Really, the, 
there was more destruction of information in 300 AD during when Constantine made um, Christianity the national religion of Rome. There was a secondary library um, close by and that was burned down. And that's when like, because they were destroying any evidence of other mystical arts, it was basically they, um, they were monopolizing information gotcha. to where there was a broader and at Alexandria it was always a mixing of cultures and information. That's when they really started to shut it down was, um, was the beginning of the uh, Holy Roman Empire, like that transition. Um, just one last thing, evidence that there was ancient Atlantean information in the uh, Library of Alexandria, there's this map known as the Perry Reese map, which was basically, it, the map itself was made by uh, a Turkish guy in Constantinople, which is, um, it was actually, like we call it the Roman Catholic Church, but actually Constantine made Christianity the, the national religion in Constantinople, which is in Turkey. Um, now Istanbul, but uh, basically a guy in, in the 1500s, uh, this general made this map, but he made, he t said, Perry Reese, he says he based it off of an old, older map material and that being the new center of information, once they burned down the secondary library of Alexandria, they would have taken all the good shit to Constantinople. It, that Perry Reese map, the crazy part about it is it shows the coast of Antarctica without any ice. And they, they claim that Antarctica has been covered with ice for millions of years and some part of, it's, some part of it might have been. Yep. But um, there's, there's other parts of um, recorded history where it was possible that Antarctica, and mind you, Antarctica wouldn't actually be discovered until like, 17, 1800s, as far as we know, like recorded or mainstream history. Um, but it indicates that at one point, Antarctica didn't have ice on it, which would have, the earliest would have been like 8,000 years ago or something like that. So ridiculously long amount of time ago. Um, and that's actual proof of it. Perry Reese map would be proof that there was um, Atlantean knowledge pre, even pre-Egypt knowledge in the Library of Alexandria. Got you. That's crazy. Um, a quick note before I just like go on to the next one. I don't know how you have all this shit in your head. It's crazy. <laughs> um, Seventeen seventy-six. Okay, so yeah, so <laughs> what we were, what we had just talked about you know, with the whole barbarian Illuminati yeah. thing, and, and especially talking about duality, how there's always like an equal amount of of good and evil, like you know, good-minded people that want the best for humanity and then, like, people who are selfish and want to centralize power. Um, 1776, you know, obviously when the Declaration of Independence was written, which was, again, you know, we're talking about how history skews towards decentralization of information and therefore power was a huge step, you know, e even during, especially, you can see it now during the pandemic, the differences between the rights that Americans were able to hold on to compared to Commonwealth countries that didn't fight for independence, like Canada and Australia, where Australia, they can actually, they just pass the thing where they can force vaccinate you. They already built the quarantine camps, like insane shit over there. But anyways, the, you know, across the world, back in the old world, that's the new world, US, back in the old world, the Barbarian Illuminati was founded in the same year with their goal to centralize power completely. And we're kind of seeing that 
still play out. Of course, the um, I think it's uh, at least nine member or nine of the signers of the De Declaration of Independence were Freemasons. Um, and then we had Ben Franklin, who didn't, I don't believe he signed the Declaration, um, oddly enough, but <clears throat> he was a part of all types of esoteric cults, like, for instance, the Hellfire Club, in, um, which I think they just use that in Stranger Things. The, I think they just had a club called the Hellfire Club in there. Probably, again, some more predictive programming type shit. But actually, that whole thing, that whole... Um, Stranger Things, side note, is based off of the Montauk Project, which is like in a gray zone of if it was real, but there is a real um, program that was experimenting with like human supernatural abilities called Project Stargate. All right, that's the side note. Um, but uh, anyway, so yeah, Penn Franklin was, the Hellfire Club had like crazy orgies and shit. Um, he was a real wild guy, um, but pretty smart, obviously. Um, but I think that's all. How many chicks does it take to turn on a light bulb? <laughs> Apparently a lot. Well, how could you sum up 1776? So I, I think it was, um, it was, it was the, the year that the, the actual, like the new world order plan that we're seeing play out right now, which the concept of a new world order is that you have, it's actually based on a new Atlantis. There's this guy, Francis Bacon, a um, British wizard. He was like, again, he was an occultist. He not only translated the Bible, he was the final editor of the King James Bible. This is the first English translation of the Bible. Uh, he also probably wrote all of Shakespeare. And by him writing all of Shakespeare, what I mean is there was a group of occultists, Rosicrucians, who translated all these ancient stories and then they put it into English. And basically, because of Shakespeare and, and the King James Bible, that's what gave the English language like dominance over Latin. And that's basically what asserted dominance of it compared to the Latin Roman Empire, Holy mm -hmm. Roman Empire. Um, so I would say 1776 was basically the defining moment or the defining year of where we are now, where we built up the new world order in the new world, America, and the old world Illuminati is still trying to assert control and um, there is going to be you know I think we're clashing right now between the two concepts of like Nash American nationalism and globalism is obviously like it's mm -hmm. basically the forefront of everything if we're talking about the world economic forum and stuff um, but I think it's it's really everything that we see playing out right now start originated in 1776 both of the two major organizations that were fighting well, one for freedom and decentralization of power and then which is you know the american constitution declaration of independence and then we have uh, the barbarian illuminati which is centralization and, and control for sure 1913 so 1913 the year that the um uh the Federal Reserve was secretly plotted on Jekyll Island in Georgia, which you can go to. It's actually a really nice place. Just went there for the second time. Um, really crazy ass. The island itself is nuts. Like, um, for those who are already familiar with it, obviously it's, um, it's where they plotted the Federal Reserve. It was basically like Epstein's Island before Epstein's Island. So there was no bridge. You could only get there by boat. It was the super powerful. We're talking Carnegie, Rockefeller, 
basically all these captains of industry, they were um, JP Morgan, they were the only ones that had cottages there and their cottages are still up. They basically, they did a classic like, uh oh, uh, people probably aren't gonna like, like this as like a historical thing. Let's give it to the state and make it like a little like state park type deal. So people have like weddings there and shit. But anyways, when we were there recently, some just some fun side notes, because everybody knows the Federal Reserve stuff. Fun side notes, what we found out when we got there was the Indian, the Native Americans that were on Jekyll Island originally, they were this owl chaos god worshippers, um, and they were giants. So there was, it was like six feet plus, <laughs> these motherfuckers that lived there before. Oh. Six feet plus, well, like six, well, seven, you know, fucking six, seven feet tall, like just huge for um, for anyone okay. at, at that time. Okay. And it actually, you know, it could could be bigger. I'm just going again, like lowballing it, so I don't like, you know, end up being super wrong. But they're ex way outside of the average for that time, at the very least. They were described as giants, and you can see in the depictions. And guess who were the first people to colonize that island was? Can you guess? Can you guess who the uh, the missionaries were? What group they were a part of? The Jesuits. The Jesuits. Yeah, they were they were, they were the first ones there, and um, the Rockefeller House, who obviously Rockefeller's most dominant American industrial family, who you know shaped the whole world, helped fund the Nazis, taught them eugenics. Um, they the Rockefeller house is not all the other cabins are called like Carnegie cabin like Carnegie cottage you know clubhouse something like that the Rockefeller house is just referred to as the Indian mound house so they but the the thing is they don't tell you hey uh what's in the mound and what's in the mound is a child it was where they were sacrificing children it was their child sacrifice mound so they basically they sacrifice the kids and they bury him in the mound. So Rockefeller built the house on it and then called it Indian Mound. And uh, he has uh, blood red floors. They're all just the classic, like if you've seen Eyes Wide Shut, um, which was uh, Stanley Kubrick's movie that he was killed um, before he completed it, uh, which was basically about, it was basically telling the story of the Bush family and Skull and Bones, among other things. But it was actually shot in a Rothschild's house. Highly recommend that movie. Um, yeah, so it's even like worse than you than you think. Like it's like oh, they just plotted, they just secretly plotted the Federal Reserve there to take over the entire U.S. banking system and the the globe. Basically, they basically stole the entire country. Um, and then oh, they also made income tax at the same time. Before then, there was no income tax. Nice. Um, Two scams for one. Yeah, yeah, both in, integral and in, in, in the control. Um, okay, yeah, there's 1913. Amazing. Logan, do you have any? Do you want to throw out? Because I got one or two more. Mm. How about World War II? Oh, well, yeah, that's a fun one. Um, so basically, there's so many crazy things about the world wars like world war one um was basically started like the reason the u.s got involved with it was a false fact oh, <laughs> false flag uh um it was the sinking of the i think it was called like the lithuania or some shit like that I, some dumbass name 
but it was basically they're like, oh, the Germans just sunk this like uh, sunk this British boat. Um, it's time to start time to start World War One or get the U.S. involved, whatever, because there was U.S. World War Two. Oh, oh, so I'm just setting up the, the okay. World War One going to World War Two, just was, showing how it's all What was like scammed. the Franz Ferdinand thing? So yeah, the Archduke Ferdinand, was he, he was like assassinated, assassinated and, and that, that started the whole thing that over there. Kinda, yeah, that's the official. That, that's that's fake, how it right? started. No, that's how it started. And I don't, I don't, I haven't really looked like into that too prop, much. Right? But that's how we got into. <laughs> that's how we got into the war. Was the the sinking of this um, British boat that had American citizens on it, but. There's evidence that the um, that the the British were talking about it. They, there's like letters, documents of them talking about the ship sinking before it sank. So they were like it was a it was an obvious plot to bring in the United States. And the interesting thing about World War One was that the um, and I'm only talking about this because World War One is you know, basically set up World War Two. There wouldn't have been a, a Nazi Germany without World War One. Basically, World War One was over. Like the Germans had complete dominance, strongest military. They would have, they blew everybody out of the water. It was already over, um, and they were ready to. The Germans were offering peace and saying not only peace but saying, "All right, let's just put everything back to the way it was before the war. Like we're good. Uh, we'll just, you know, you guys can keep your countries, whatever." But then, the Rothschilds made because of their influence in the united states they had a few cutouts um um in kuhn and Loeb and uh and the national bank they had some of their um some of their employees went over to the u.s founded very powerful banks there and then had set up the federal reserve um put in the income tax and they're like okay we have control over the u.s we can bring in the united states and win the war for the united kingdom but we need you guys to give us Israel. We need the British people to give the Rothschilds and the Zionists, which are Zionists are not, um, <clears throat> they don't have to be Jewish, like Trump's a Zionist. It's basically anybody who wants to retake the Holy Land for, um, for the Jewish people, or really, I, I guess, if they're, uh, you know, for them, for themselves, for the, for the West, I guess. It all goes back to the Crusades and the Templars and uh, really involves Solomon's Temple as well. But they wrote this Balfour Declaration, which was actually written by the Rothschilds. It's addressed to the Rothschilds, but they basically wrote it and then gave it to the guy to sign, Lord Balfour. He signs it, gives them control over Israel, basically, which they had no authority to do. And then they bring in, through the banking interests, they bring in the United States to fight World War I, destroy the Germans, destroy their economy, and then charge them reparations in such an oppressive amount, which is basically, you know, they're like, okay, pay us back for all the damages during World War I. Mm -hmm. They crush the German economy, absolutely destroy it. The Deutschmark goes um, hyperinflation. Um, and you have it wheelbarrows like this is where this is the most famous example of hyperinflation where people are like taking wheelbarrows down to buy a loaf of bread um they're like burning the money to stay warm so they basically collapse the german economy then the american industrialist rockefeller um rockefeller henry ford they come over and they start taking all they take control out of all, of all the natural resources and start building their own factories 
the the Rockefellers take over all their chemical industries and oil and stuff like that. They form this. Um, they consolidate all their chemical companies into this entity known as IG Farben. And there's a quote by Senator Homer T. Bone in in like a, a World War II. After World War II, they had committees to uh, investigate American industrialist involvement with the Nazis. And basically, he says um, this Senator Homer T. Bone. He goes, great name by the way. Uh, he goes, IG Far Farben was Hitler and Hitler was Farben. So basically through this massive chemical entity they put together um, with the help of um, the US bankers and Wall Street, they basically took over the entire German, um, the entire German economy and then the government, uh, they, choose, they basically chose Hitler. There's like, there's letters that go back to the Rockefellers propagandist who, um, who basically invented public relations. His name is Ivy Lee. And Ivy Lee was exposed as helping the Nazis and, and having a contract with them for $33,000. That's in like the New York Times. You can look up the article. Um, and basically he, was, he groomed and created Hitler's cult of personality in Germany. So they build up the, they build up the Nazis. They have a, uh, a false flag called the Reichstag fire where they have the German parliament or the German, I, I, I think it was a parliament, but it's the German government building, the main German government building. They have it catch fire one night and they blame it on one uh, communist, which could have been, maybe not, I don't know. But they use that burning of their Capitol building, think Jan 6, and if you look at the pictures with like uh, the smoke bombs going off on the, in the Capitol, it, like side to side next to the Reichstag fire, very similar. They use it to pass the Reichstag fire decrees. And basically that allows the German government to crack down on all journalists, to take care of any political enemies, imprison them, and give them the full dictator-like control over the country, which then they use to obviously um, essentially start World War II and um, and actually, they were, uh, again, it, it has a lot to do with Israel as well, because the, what's not really known is that the first settlements in Israel were actually Germans. <clears throat> it's called the Templar Society. And uh, anyways, um, yeah, World War II. Oh, yeah. So like I said, it's a ton of the Americans were actually the ones behind a lot of the uh, German war machine. For instance, Henry Ford was building, he had a, a tank factory over there. After the war, he sued the US government for bombing his Nazi tank factory and he won. The government so was, compensated him. So he was building tanks over here mm -hmm. for the US military. Yeah. And he was over there building tanks for the German military. Yeah. And so basically the industrialists Whoa. profited on both sides. There's actually- It's a great high ticket offer. <laughs> That's like, yeah. Great high ticket offer. They, there's actually some pieces, like people think that, oh, everybody during World War II, they all just like were so hyped to go fight another world war because the Nazis were so bad and, and they, everybody knew and they all wanted to go and, and attack Sounds like them. it was just a get rich quick scheme yep. on a mass scale. And it was, it was consolidating power ultimately you destroy the old world over and over and over again. And what happened as a result? Then you had, then we went into the Cold War where there's two superpowers, US versus Russia. 
um, with a nuclear bomb as like a deterrent. We go into the Cold War era, and then eventually Russia collapses, and now we have to our current day the one global superpower, the U.S. And basically that was their plan the whole time, though, going back to Francis Bacon, that uh, British magician that basically started colonialism and, and encouraged it to the queen, and like basically got, got all of, um, you know, got the whole nation behind colonialism and taking over the new world. He wanted to start a new Atlantis, and that what we've seen with the U.S. as the one global superpower, this is the new Atlantis. They, they succeeded you, in it. Do you think we have, I mean, based on all this old knowledge and stuff that might have been lost and whatnot that mm-hmm. we've talked about, do you think we have more advanced technology than they had? I, we, I think we have different technology. Um, okay. I think it's like, um, and it's hard to tell too because we forget how quickly nature takes back everything especially if you have massive flooding, like water yeah. will just destroy everything. It's estimated now if, if there was major cataclysms, the only thing that would be existing after a couple of thousand years would be the Hoover Dam. That would be the only thing that humanity has created that would last wow. um, more than a couple thousand years. So it's hard to tell if they had like, you know, some type of you know, similar skyscraper shit like this because if there's any type of flooding, Miami's gone like, like that. But um, uh, what the only evidence that we have of uh, what's left behind is, and the only thing we can actually prove, you know, I was talking about you can't carbon date the stones of the pyramid. The only thing we have to prove that there is even a civilization back 12,000 years ago before that flood was uh, another place in Turkey called Gobekli Tepe, which means pot-bellied hill, which was basically the only reason we can we know this huge, it's, a, it's actually the biggest megalithic stone civilization we've ever found or monument we've ever found. It goes on for, it's huge, but massive, huge, like I think they're probably 20 foot tall, like stone um, T-beams, and they have uh, like uh, hieroglyphics on them that match stuff that's, um, both in Sumeria, in Iran, Iraq, and also in southern South America, where there's also megalithic stone structures. But they, um, they, the only reason we can carbon date it is because it was purposely buried, and we can carbon date the ground and the art, other artifacts that are in there. So somebody purposely buried that before the flood, and... And then that is the only evidence we actually have of, of their but being a previous. But in your opinion, do you think they had as advanced technology? I think they or might have. Advanced? I think they might have been more advanced themselves. I think there might have been more of like they had. They had more control over their like natural abilities to the point where it's like they could fly. They could they fly? Uh, <laughs> I don't know about flying. I think there's there's a possibility that Bless they. You. Thank you. That they had, if I did have to say like what type of technology they would have, um, there's a lot of really interesting stuff with uh, sound, like sound levitation. Like you can. And that's how they maybe may have built the pyramids. Yeah. And also, they were probably giants as well, but that's a whole different whole different subject. Uh, but but yeah, it was a combination of them being giants and and then that woolly um, mammoth liver was hidden, dog. <laughs> It's so, a oh. new Sobra product. So, so I think I think my last thing before we kind of wrap this up because we've been going for a while. 
yeah i'm is, tired of sitting here to yeah. be honest <laughs> is and, and i feel like we could be talking we could go on for another five hours based on everything that's going on here mm-hmm. but we're, we're, we'll probably end it here donald trump and the birth of donald trump and the dates and the symbolism and all that oh, perfect perfect because like seven 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 and all those different the days and the, in the book right yeah in the book like the the baron trump book uh-huh. all that stuff i want to know what you know about all that so yeah like so this goes to really at the core of the apocalypse dow documentary and basically what the main message in the ritual that me and nick had had come to the conclusion that it's like probably the most important and like really gives the most clear description of of what's happening and what's going to happen is uh it's this book by alistair crowley another uh british magician called the moon child um and they did like a ritual right yes it's called the babylon working and it was done in the mojave desert 1946 in january to march of 1946 by marvel jack parsons people um for jack parsons he created liquid rocket fuel he is literally the reason that we have rockets okay. he cleared it he was also did we go to the moon by the way uh that that's a really that's a really great question uh we'll, we'll get to that in a okay. second interrupting it, him on I, things i know you're asking him my bad my bad <laughs> i just get excited <laughs> so so yeah so yeah so so he but he is the reason we went to the moon and that goes that ties in with this moon child ritual that um and that ties into jfk as well but so anyways he him and l ron hubbard the founder of scientology which controls some of the most powerful people in hollywood to this day and hollywood hollywood refers to the wood that they make that they made the wands out of in ancient uh, um, pre-Roman Great Britain. That was the civilization that ruled that island before the Romans moved in, and there were wizards called Druids, D-R-U-I-D. And they made their wands out of Hollywood. So we're talking about like casting spells over the population in order to manifest the timeline you want. That's the purpose of of television programming, movie programming. But um, so wands are real. Uh, I think so. I mean, I don't know. I don't know I exactly. I think it's more of like a phallus type. Um, it's like an homage to dicks, which obelisks and rockets actually are also. Because that that was the final thing. Is Jack Parsons is also a sex magician. So this ritual he was doing was basically involved a lot of sodomy. But um, so anyways, yeah. So him, L. Ron Hubbard was there. L. Ron Hubbard was the one taping it. Um, and he would later go on to rob Jack Parsons. Jack Parsons would blow up in his like, would blow up in his home lab, whatever. But basically, all of Marvel, the Marvel comic series, all refers to Marvel Jack Parsons. It's all a part. It's you know we're talking about Hollywood being spells. Yep. It's all a spell based off of to bring about this Moonchild ritual which is basically it's the leader for a new aeon. So they were trying to bring about this. The actual book, Moonchild, written by Aleister Crowley, is about a, a sect of light magicians battling a sect of dark magicians over the um, birth of a savior, um, like super powerful leader, which is, if you notice, that's the exact plot line of Harry Potter, Star Wars, 
It's literally the exact, both of those series isn't are exactly. Like, isn't it like Iron things. Man too? Yes. And um, yeah, and it, it ends up being the Marvel, the Marvel series, the character in the Marvel series that they base off, because Jack Parsons was a very, he had a very distinct look, crazy dark mustache, like slick back hair. He was a wild looking ass dude. And they, they based Iron Man, Tony Stark's father, Howard Stark, who not only creates Iron Man, but he also creates Captain America through scientific experiments um, in, the, in the show, in the, in the movie series. Um, they based it off of Jack Parsons. So to get to the, the Trump part, we, you know, so what I'm trying to say is the moon child ultimately we were talking about Jesus and the sun symbolism. Mm -hmm. So Jesus represents the divinity of man, the ultimate connection with God, and the full potential of natural humanity. And the moon child, so he's the son of God, the moon child would then represent complete artificial human through um, physical um, alterations, transhumanism, merging with machine, and science, putting your faith in science instead of in God, um, is what the moon child represents. So you have Captain America, who is there, who's the, um, you know, he represents the American empire, you know, basically based on uh, like a Christian empire, essentially. Um, uh, but and he's the ultimate expression of humankind he was the first avenger is what they call his the first movie and iron man also a creation of howard stark aka jack parsons he's the ultimate expression of technology um leading to uh you know leading to a, the higher highest form of human being and this is a concept that uh uh nietzsche talked about uh the ubermensch um, which is basically so Superman, dope. Superman. So yeah, and that's Superman basis. That same duality there. If you notice that same duality there, the of the um, ultimate like um, human potential versus artificial. It's the exact same thing in the DC universe. Spider or uh, Superman and Batman, exact same thing. Um, but so all of that is programming. Programming the population, because those by far are the, more than the stories of the Bible, the people, if you go and ask anybody, characters from the Bible or characters from Marvel, they're going to know the characters from Marvel a million times more. So it is a new... All the fucking atheists on Reddit. Oh, yeah, exactly. It is exactly, the, exactly their target audience. So you form this new civilization because after world war ii when they were doing the babylon working and the Moonchild ritual it was when america was you know moving away from christianity and religion as the the core programming that made us into a um single civilization they replaced it essentially with all of this hollywood stuff using um using technology using rockets especially uh, this goes into my thread that uh, basically all the, uh, you know, the obelisks, the ancient Egyptian yep. obelisks, those are all represent Osiris's dick. So, you know, I was talking about the solar god Horus who was resurrected. He was a resurrection of Osiris. What's with all the gay shit? Up. 
It, 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 well, it's mainly just about dicks. It's a lot about dicks. The phallus um, is, is like hugely important <laughs> in all this. Like the wand, like uh, it's, it's all sex magic because ultimately that's the most powerful. Think of the most powerful thing a human being mm. can do. What Sexual. can we do? You can create yeah. a whole nother ass human um, using your dick. And they do it through Drew magic. Drew Chang uh, just dropped a sex magic. <laughs> <laughs> New sex magic course. Hit me up. Um, but yeah, so to get to, the, to get to the Trump thing, though, so Trump, you, you're talking about 777. He did become president when he was like 70 years, seven months, and seven days old. Um, and like his, like you mentioned before also, his uncle, Dr. John Trump, was the, um, was the person the FBI gave all of Nikola Tesla's research to after he died. Um, which Nikola Tesla died on January 7th as well, same day as Trump was voted out of power, and the same day that Caesar was voted out of power, so, and, which was originally Christmas. But, um, so Tesla, uh, oh, so John Trump, so yeah, so technically you could think, okay, well, anything that Tesla had, then John Trump would have, and then, then his nephew, becomes so president and president would probably have it the first ever person to become president without like well i mean reagan kind of was but trump was such an outlier out of anybody else who had ever become president completely different approach um he randomly becomes president so you think um then there's some also crazy other predictive programming stuff which you brought up books um written in um 1899, I think it's like 1897, 1899 or something, um, by this guy Ingersoll Lockwood. He wrote two books, or he wrote a couple of books, but two books specifically. He wrote Baron Trump's Marvelous Underground Journey and the sequel, The Last President. So, and The Last President has, uh, he has a, like a Pence character, or actually Marvelous, uh, Baron Trump's Marvelous Underground Journey has a Don character. They have a Pence character. There's all types of crazy like similarities. Um, I think it's about going to the center of the earth in Russia through a, like a sinkhole in Russia. I don't I, actually. I've never I've never actually read them in depth. But the last president is the second one, and it's basically about a very similar Trump figure who's part of the ruling class, wealthy, but knows how to talk to the common man. Um, when he gets elected, there's riots on, he lives on Fifth Avenue in, in New York, which is right where Trump Tower is. Um, there's riots, anti-communist riots when he wins. Um, and then the movie ends, they talk about predictive programming, it ends with the White House blowing up and it's the end of the Republic. So in the same way that Caesar and the, and the Jan 7th beginning voted out of power, ended the effectively ended the Roman Republic and led to the form of the empire. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the same. It's the same motif being played out in, um, in those books. And you're like, okay, well, how the fuck did, did Trump come up with all this shit? You look to the Marvel movies. What did, oh shit. Oh fuck. Um, so we got to wrap this up. But uh, so in the Marvel movies, in Endgame, they basically defeat Thanos, a.k.a. Bill Gates, depopulation. Um, they defeat him by time traveling. And Captain America specifically has to go back in time 
and like he's the one who like mainly like gets sacrificed through the time traveling. Um, long story short, there there is uh, a whistleblower that says he was a part of a time traveling DARPA project, much like we were talking about with Looking Glass, mm-hmm. um, and he claims that it was based off of the Tesla information that he got that John Trump got. And Donald is a time traveler. Quite possibly. There's a lot. I mean, there's, I mean, if anybody in the world is a time traveler, he's the one person who would have access to that information. Interesting. And then Elon is the moon child, right? Yeah. So Elon, Uh. Elon is set up, um, Werner von Braun, the Nazi scientist that we brought over after world war two and basically ran NASA. He, uh, wrote a book called the Mars project in 1953. And in that book, he says it's a, it's a book about a uh, human colony on Mars. And he says the title of the leader of the colony on Mars, the title given to him, will be Elon. In the same way that all the emperors after Caesar were called, referred to as Caesar, it's the same thing where, um, where it's like a title like that. Um, Elon's family also is the reason he's from South America or South Africa was because his grandfather was kicked out of Canada because he was leading this group called the Technocracy Party, which is basically the idea of we don't need democracy. We're just going to have a uh, group of um, uh, a group of experts, aka billionaires, Bill Gates, fucking Musk, control the whole world because they're so special and they deserve it. Um, which is basically Avengers, it's their superheroes. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I think that's about it. And uh, my fiance is calling, I think she's uh, off of work and For sure. needs to be allowed I, to um, <clears throat> Yeah, that was, I think we could keep going, but we're not. Yeah, We've been that, sitting here for a while. I, I can't sit here anymore. We've been here for a while. Um, <laughs> Even though the information is great, if I was standing, I would love it. <laughs> I, think, I think this is, we've never gone this deep. I mean, our conspiracy pod was not, this deep we I just think, don't know any of this shit yeah um this is super interesting to me if you guys want to see a sequel another round two of where we just go even deeper tell us in the comments if not if you don't say then we'll, we'll know you don't want more <laughs> but um is there any last any last notes you want to leave for the associates of the associates while you're here on the official associates podcast so I'd say, uh, you know, obviously follow me on Twitter. I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be dropping pretty much my magnum, uh, opus thread. That's, uh, going to summarize, going to summarize essentially everything we were talking about, um, in like one coherent message. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and then stand by for the documentary. Um, uh, I'm going to uh, applications for apocalypse DAO are closed right now. But we'll be taking some more people, I think another 70 people in, um, in a week or so. Uh, so, so yeah, just uh, if you're interested in possibly the group. And basically we're doing, there's a, there's a course. So it, basically to train the cult, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm releasing this course, 22-part course that will go in depth on everything, um, you know, subjects that we were talking about, and then leading up to what I think is the most logical uh, future timeline. Um, and then talking about, you know, how we can possibly, you know, like we were talking about, possibly use their same concepts of magic and programming to, take you know, back influence the, take it. Take back the world. And, and make things, yeah, make things better. Yeah, go check out Drew Tang. Grill Read has th- already posted threads. Uh, they're great. They go super yeah. in-depth. And 
Go check out the pod on all platforms at Associates Pod. I think we're about to be on Twitter too. Um, TikTokers still hate us. They're going to hate this episode too. And uh, that's it. Episode 14 is done.